0: We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today, and we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today.
1: You realize that God is never taking time off from what you're praying about. He's never taking time off. He's not saying, well, I'm too busy with this one to worry about this one. It's hard for our minds to comprehend that God has every single human being on this face of this earth. And he knows them by name. And he hears their voice and he hears it distinctly. He hears you. Sometimes I think that we we feel like God can't help but hear us. Did you know that? He can't help but hear your prayers. And I don't know what you brought in here today, and I I, I feel like that that we brought some stuff in the doors. And if we're not careful, we'll make a a crucial mistake of taking it back out the door. When he says, if you'll just lay it down and give it to me, then I'm going to take care of it. And I will work relentlessly in your behalf. Amen. I don't know about you, but how many has got some things they need God? I'll be the first to raise my hand to relentlessly keep working at. Amen. I do. I need God's help. Amen. We got to be truthful. We got to be honest. We got to be up and, you know, I'll be up front with you. There's things I need God to do that I can't do. I've tried to fix some things. Have you? And I've messed it up. I, can't, I might fix it for a little while. It's going to take God to do it. And it takes us releasing it into the hands of the miracle worker and the way maker. And his name is Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, he's in this room. And the remainder of our time together, if we could get our minds around that, God's going to deliver some folks today. I believe that. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise as we're being seated. Can we do that? Amen. Okay, that sounded like golf. Let's do it again. Let's give the Lord a praise. Amen. He's worthy of it. Amen. Amen. I don't want to give God that collat you know polite golf clap. He deserves my best. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans, the 8th chapter. We're going to be wrapping up a series today, and uh, we uh, actually continued that series the last two weeks online, and so I hope you got to be a part of of what we talked about with that, but um, we're talking about the revival of the mind, the battle of the mind, and today uh, we're going to go into the final thoughts on that, uh, which is dealing with uh, the living the, the Spirit-given life. In other words, God's Spirit has come to give us life. He's come to set us free. Um, he's come to to make life worth living. And so uh, we're going to talk about that in just, some, in, in, in just a few moments. But uh, we have been going through this journey because I feel like so many times um, the battle that for our souls, it begins right here. It begins with our thoughts. It begins, uh, you know, with how we approach situations and how we go through different uh, things in our life. If if we get bad news, how we process that. And, and again, uh, it's looking, looking to the Lord with hope and r- learning to rethink. Amen? Where, where we see things uh, ag- again, uh, <laughs> uh, somebody shared with me after the early service, uh, they, they had heard this sermon and they come to me at the back door and they said, somebody told them once, said, uh, it's, you know, do you see the glass half full or half empty? And they said, I'm just glad I got a glass. How many? How many here? You're just glad you got a glass. You're just glad that, that that you you have something. I've got news for you. God's ready to pour into you something great today. Romans the eighth chapter verses five through eleven. These have been our anchor verses over the last few weeks, and they're powerful verses for for the, for they tell about the battle of the mind. And let's let's just jump into it. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We, we've we dealt with these mindsets, or we dealt with, 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 first of all, when we started this series, the two mindsets. In other words, there's always a tug of war. Um. I don't know how many of you are Looney Tune fans, or you can go back that far. Uh, you know, cartoons aren't what they used to be. I remember Saturday mornings when cartoons were cartoons, and and Bugs Bunny, and da, you know Daffy Duck, and and uh, you know uh, Wabbit Season and Duck Season. Anybody remember that? But uh, you, how many remembers the one where the little devil would be on one shoulder and the little angel would be on the other, and it would say good good things or bad things on one end, and do good things on the other, and it was he was he was going listening, between the two. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. He says, We, we all have a battle of two mindsets. Uh, the, in other words, Paul discloses it in his writings in Romans by saying, The good that I would do, I don't do it sometimes. And then the evil that I wouldn't do, I find myself doing it. And then he, he ends it up by saying, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can escape this mortal body of flesh? In other words, he's saying, I, I have I, I have a battle in my mind, is what he's sharing with everyone to know. But then he doesn't stop there. He ends it by saying, but now, aren't you thankful for B-U-T in the Bible? But now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. How many in this room realize that there's a place we can walk with God where, yes, we'll still have to battle? This flesh till the day we die through death or rapture, but we can walk uh, above some things that are trying to pull us down. God's wanting you and I to live uh, in a better mindset. And then we moved on from that to talking about the indwelling of the Spirit, that God did not leave us here on our own, but he sent uh, in Acts chapter 2 the comforter to come, the helper is another translation of that word comforter. He came to equip us to be able to live this life for God. Amen? He says, I'm not going to leave you helpless. I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm sending the Spirit after I go back to the Father to come and to give life to you and to help you to walk this life. And so then Paul is elaborating on this in the last verse of this passage I've read to you in verse 11 where he is talking about living a Spirit-given life. I want to live the life that the Spirit wants to produce in my life. Do you realize God has great things in store for everything? Everybody in this room, great plans in store. And look, those plans aren't necessarily your plans. I can remember how God altered my plans. God changed my plans when I was a 19-year-old kid in college. I I was pursuing my dreams, my plans, and God interrupted my plans with his plans. And I'm here to tell you, that wasn't a downer. It has been a great adventure. I thank God for the adventure of my life because by age 22, I'd traveled more of the world than most people see in a lifetime. I have preached in other uh, in other countries. I have walked where, where Jesus walked, physically walked where Jesus walked. I have been privileged to see a whole lot of things, all because in, in, in a, a fall night in my dorm room, I raised my hands and said, no longer do I want what I want. I want what you want for me, God. And I surrender my mind, my, my, my body, and my spirit to your service. And I'm here to tell you, my life has been a great adventure. God has a great adventure venture in store for you. You don't have to be 19 years old. You can be 50 years old. You can be 30 years old. It doesn't matter how old you are. God has great plans for you. Amen. Amen. The younger you start, the greater the adventure. I'll tell you that. So start young, giving everything over to God. You won't go wrong. Amen. God has a spirit given life for us. Let's read again our anchor verse for today on this found in verse 11 of this chapter. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also uh, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. Now, Peter is giving us a promise of if we are saved one day that we will have a resurrected body. We will live again. Amen. How many believe that uh, today that, that, that that death is not the end for us. It is the open door to the beginning and one day when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ shall rise. Those who are alive and remain, the Bible says, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and we will be forever with the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that promise today that this life does not define all that there will be? Amen. There's better days ahead. There's better days ahead. He goes on, it was the Holy Spirit who was the agent of Christ's resurrection from the dead. In other words, he's saying that that Holy Spirit that has been sent is what raised Christ from the dead and that same spirit will raise you to life. Now, this has a dual meaning to us today. It doesn't just mean that he will raise our mortal bodies or our physical bodies, but he will also one day, he can resurrect dead things in our life. In other words, some of us, we think because of COVID, COVID-19, are because of what's going on in the world politically, that the dreams and the plans and the hopes that God has spoken to you, that maybe God has forgot all about it. I want to assure you of something today. What God has promised to you will come to pass, because he's not a liar. God will do everything, and if God has ordained it, there's nothing in this world going to stop God from doing what he promised you he would do. Amen. So if God has given you visions, dreams, hopes, and plans for your life, he hasn't forgot about them just because the world shut down for a few months. Amen. You should find great comfort in that today. In other words, John 6 verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I love this verse, by the way. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life in other words he's saying if you want to really know what living is it's the spirit that gives life because the flesh is no help at all now how many of you and this may be for a little bit of us that have a few years in here how many of you if you judged how your day would go how you when you woke up in the morning how you physically felt how many of you would have a bad day almost every day if you judged it physically, how you felt. I, I was sharing with them earlier I, that, that uh, I have probably had the best night's sleep I've had, and I don't know when. Uh, I, I can't even remember. But, I mean, you know you have slept really well when you go to bed in one position and you wake up in that same position. All right, but there's a problem with that when you're 50. It hurts. Okay, it, you wake up rested, but when you move, your body's saying you should have tossed and turned a little bit. Amen. What are you saying? He is wanting us to realize the flesh is no help to us. Some of us are looking for help in a fleshly way. Oh, when they get a vaccine. Oh, when they get this, life will get back to normal. Oh my goodness, listen. If we're putting our hope in medicine, if we're putting our hope in a political system, it's going to fail us, church. We've got to learn to turn to God and put our hope in the Lord. The flesh is no help at all. If you're trying to beat something that is in the flesh, with the flesh, it's not going to help you. So what do you do if I'm facing something spiritual or fleshly in my life? Say, i got a problem. I've got an issue in my life. I need God to deal with. I've got news for you. You can try to address it with the flesh all you want. But when you begin to get on your knees and cry out to God, the Spirit brings life to that situation and brings hope. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I don't know, you're awful quiet. That means you're not going to eat lunch for a long time. <laughs> the words that I have spoken, he goes on to say in verse 63 of, of John chapter 6, that I have spoken to you, he said, "Their spirit and life. In other words, a, a, there's too many people that are looking for spiritual pep rallies in their life. Amen? Now, uh, I, I wanna, how many has ever been in a church service where they got all hyped up? But then they left the hype and life hit and they fall apart. Life hits, and all of a sudden it's like nothing's changed. That's because we have learned how to trigger the emotion and to build up the emotion of man, but God is the only one that can change the heart of a man. And I'm here to tell you God is ready to get into our hearts so that there's transformation in our lives, not just good feelings. Amen? Uh, in, in other words, there's got to be something that goes beyond the goosebumps. I thank God for goosebumps. Amen. Anybody ever get the Holy Ghost goosebumps? Woo, that felt good. I thank God for that. But I'm here to tell you, I can get goosebumps listening to to a secular singer because they're so good. I I can get goosebumps listening to a great speech. Come on. But there's only one thing that can change my life and that is an encounter with the Holy Spirit and not just allowing him to come in and get my emotions built up, but to get into the way I think. In other words, if you listen to last week's sermon, what did I say? We've got to learn to think Jesus. We've got to learn to start thinking him into our lives. When I don't know how to pray, think about Jesus, to speak his name into my life and begin to make it about him. And lift him up above everything else in our lives. 2 Corinthians 3 chapter 6 says this, Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but, by, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But the letter kills, and the Spirit gives life. Uh, how many of you have ever just flat been killed by the Word of God? And you've been chopped to bits? I have I I've been I have literally been in church services where I went in feeling like I was a pretty good person and walked out feeling beat to pieces Come on Oh, my goodness. Do you realize that in church services, there should be a balance of things for the letter kills. In other words, the Word of God is meant to pierce into our hearts. It's meant to pierce into our our, our thoughts and our souls. It's meant to put to death sinful things in our life. But I'm here to tell you, if all we do is preach the Word and we never allow the Spirit of God to flow among us, there can't be life restored where the letter has taken out the wrong. Come on. It's one thing to be convicted, but without the Spirit, I can't change. Come on. We need God's Spirit to bring both things into our our midst today. Amen? Yes, we need the Word of God to expose the things in our life that are not pleasing to God, the things that I need to change. But I need to realize He's not going to leave me just hanging out there feeling bad about my wrong and about my sin. He has given His Spirit to interject life into me, redemption into me, and change into my life. God wants to change us. Let's continue to read this chapter uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians, let's read Let's read that verse again. Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant? In other words, he's saying we're not talking about the Old Testament anymore. We're, we're preaching. He said we're preaching a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills what the Spirit gives life. Then he goes on to say, for he says it is fa- a favorable time. I listen to you. In a favorable time, I listen to you. And in the days of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he's saying, look, now is the time, now is the favorable time for people to hear the word of God. I want you to know something. This world is ready to hear about some hope. This world is ready to hear something. I don't know about you. How many is ready for some good news? You're tired of the bad news. So is the world. And I'm here to tell you, they need to know something. God is not dead but he is alive. God is not defeated, but he is is on the throne. God is a victorious God and he is ready to give his people victory. He is ready to give his people victory. Today is a favorable time. People are ready. As a matter of fact, it's harvest time, people. Do you hear me? Jesus would look and say, you say it's four months until the harvest. I say, lift up your eyes for the harvest is ripe. It's ready unto harvest. What was he referring to? He was referring to the Samaritan people as they were following the woman that was at the well and they were coming out to meet with Jesus. He's saying, you don't want nothing to do with these people, but I'm here to tell you now is the favorable time. Now is the time that I'm ready to do a work. I'm here to tell you we're not poised for great defeat, church. We're poised to see great revival, but we got to get our mind right. We got to get our mind right. He says we put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. What is he saying? He's saying we aren't going to make it difficult for you to find Jesus. I think so many times we've made it difficult for people to find Jesus. In other words, uh, I, I'm not a big church sign guy. I don't. I don't really like the you know you know, church signs that much. I don't, I, I think they, there's some catchy phrases, but, you know, uh, then there's some phrases people put on church signs. I really worry about them. Um, but there was one I saw years ago and it said, you catch them, let God clean them. And I think a lot of times we feel like people, we have made it, we put so many obstacles in front of people to come to the cross. They feel like they got to get perfect before they can ever come to Jesus. Folks, it doesn't work that way. It it hasn't worked that way in my life. It doesn't work that way in your life because none of us can get good enough. Come on. None of us can get good enough and then come to the cross. If we could do that, then Jesus wasted his life on the cross. In other words, when I get this problem of mine under control, then I'll come to Jesus and I'll serve Jesus and I'll be that person that I want to be for God. And God says, you'll never do it then. But if you'll come to me just the way you are, I love you just the way you are, but I love you too much to leave you that way. And what I'll do in your life is I'll begin to change you from the inside out. I'll begin to work in your life from the inside out. I'll begin to change the way you think, I'll begin to change the way you approach life and in the morning you'll wake up with hope instead of dread. You'll wake up with, with, with faith instead of fear. You'll begin to look at this world as what it is. It is in my authority and under my control and it's not under the control of anybody else. And when we begin to get that mindset, we'll come to Jesus as we are. Paul said, I put no obstacle before you so that, 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 that you could come comes directly to the cross. He goes on, and he says in verse 4, but as a servant of God, we, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. In other words, he's saying, in other words, we didn't come to you uh, puffing our chest out, telling you how great we were. He said, we came with great endurance in affliction, hardship, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. By by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God. With the weapons of righteousness for for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet we are true. As unknown and yet we are known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many riches, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. And I want to bring us to that place today. He's saying, look, I have come to you, and he's listed all these things. He says, with honesty about where I'm at what I have walked through, what I have went through. I'm here to tell you, God is not wanting us to go out to this world acting like we don't have problems. God is not wanting you to walk into this, into this world acting like you don't struggle with things. But what he's wanting you to do is to walk honestly so that, they, that people can see that it is by the grace of God that you're getting victory over those things. It is by the help of the Lord that you're being a victorious person, not by anything of the flesh. In other words, he said our hearts are wide open. I wonder this morning if our hearts are open. Are we open to what God wants to do? Are we open to what God wants to speak into us? Are we open for the change that might need to take place? In other words, are we ready for God to do some things in our life that only he can do? In other words, the ultimate destination of our bodies is not death but resurrection if we're saved. Amen? There's no doubt about it. But I'm here to tell you, we can live a life that is like a zombie in this world. I'm not talking about the ones you watch on TV. I'm talking about living a life where we look like we're hopeless and dead. I expect to see the world with no hope. Don't you? I expect to see sinners walk around with no hope. But what is really disturbing is to see those who claim salvation walking around with no hope. Come on. Have you, ever, have you ever walked into a situation where someone has every reason to, to shake their fist at heaven? Every reason to say, why me, God? But yet instead of shaking their fist to heaven, they've got their hands raised saying, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your help. What kind of passion, what kind of love can get a hold of somebody that they're, they're using their last dying breath to praise God? Instead of saying, oh, I'm going to miss so much. It's someone who has found victory in the cross at another level. They found a place with God where they understand that death is not the end. And they walk in that hope of Christ. I think about Jesus on the cross. I want you to think about that. Beaten. Bleeding. Some people say it was... The scourging was worse than the cross. I want you to think about that. And I think if you've ever seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, as as horrible as that is, I don't think it compares to what he really went through. They finally nailed him on the cross. And you've got to realize he was... He was God, but he was also fully man. And to say he was nothing less than fully man is to rob him of what he came to give. He was fully man, but he was also fully God. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He's hanging on the cross. We we know feelings of despair had went through him because what did he cry out? Father, why have you forsaken me? The crowds are mocking him. The very ones he's dying for are mocking him and gambling away what little possessions he had left. All of a sudden, the man next to him begins to mock him and join in the crowds. And then the other man, the thief on the cross, says, Leave him alone. We deserve what we got. But this man has done nothing. And then he looks to Jesus. I want you to think about this. And he says, remember. How do you remember? With your mind. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus could have ignored him. He could have been so absorbed with his own agony and his own pain and his own thoughts that he paid the man no attention whatsoever But instead, he turns and with blood-caked eyes looks over at this man and says, This day you will be with me in paradise. Today, what comfort must have entered that man on the cross beside Jesus to know that the end was not what he was experiencing there? but that he was about to enjoy the very paradise that God had promised to mankind. He was about to see things that no man had seen before. He was about to enter into a hope that no man had entered into before. And Jesus took the time in the midst of his pain and agony, in the midst of his despair, to think about another. What kind of revival can happen in this county and in this community and in this world if we'll all begin to surrender our minds to the Lord and to begin to live a spirit-given life? What is a spirit-given life? A spirit-given life is a life of hope. A spirit-given life will allow you to smile through some situations that you shouldn't be smiling. I'm not talking about some put-on-fake stuff. Come on. Realizing that if he cared about a thief in his time of agony, what will he do for me? One other illustration I'm going to share, and then we're going to pray. Fast forward. Jesus has returned to heaven to a young man named Stephen. To our knowledge, he only preached one sermon. To our knowledge, he may have preached more, but to our knowledge, we have one record of one sermon, and that cost him his life. Bible says Stephen preaches about Jesus, and he preaches such a powerful message that the men that he's preaching to, there were cut in their heart, which means they were laid open, but they rejected the Spirit. They hardened their hearts. And so they begin to stone this young man. What do you think about that? We we really don't understand stoning in American culture. But as they would throw these stones, contusions, wounds, and it was an ongoing process till literally they lost consciousness and bled out, or they just bled out. Stephen looks up and he says what? Father, forgive them. that sound familiar? Because they, they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Don't lay this to their charge. And he said he saw the heavens open and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Every other description is he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But the devotion of this servant caused Jesus to get up off the throne. I want you to know I don't think that that was the last time. But I think when some of you have been crying out to him in the night and you think nobody sees me, nobody cares what I'm facing, I've got news for you, I believe Jesus gets up off the throne. And I believe he's standing saying, I've got you if you'll just trust me. I've got this if you'll just believe in me. I'll help you overcome this if you'll just turn to me. If you'll just allow your thoughts to be taken by mine. Think about me and trust me. Will you stand? My challenge to us today is simply will we begin to allow the resurrection power of Jesus to flow through us. Paul wrote in Philippians, he said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And then he goes on, he says, but also know him through the fellowships of his sufferings. Jesus wants you to know what it means to have his resurrection in your life. As you live day by day, surrendering, walking in the spirit, living for God and hoping for eternal life with him, there should be a brighter step. There should be a brighter day. In other words, I look, few years ago when I was doing missionary work <clears throat> there was a minister he's passed away years ago now but he was a blind preacher in, we were actually visiting Israel, me and the missionaries I, I traveled with we got an opportunity to go to Israel for about nine days and we're in Israel and we get a call from to go minister to Brother Albert Babisha, he was blind, his wife was blind, and their daughter was mentally challenged. And she took care of him. And Brother Babisha was a unusual guy. I mean, oh my goodness. I didn't know what I was in for. We were going to go you know, speak some hope to him. We were going to go lift his spirits. And, and you know you're in a bad place when, when you have to go get an Arab uh, cab driver because that's what we had to do. We had to get a guy who was Arab because we were going into the Arab section of Jerusalem. And if you think Jewish cab drivers don't go into the Arab section of Jerusalem, why? Because you end up getting blown up. That's just the truth. And here I am, buddy, I'm, I am, uh, you know, fresh off the boat kind of thing. And so me and my buddy Brian, we're in the back and, and uh, Chris is, or the missionary we traveled with he's on the other end so here we are and I'm in the middle and Brother Babisha said when you get into the Arab section just pull over anywhere and say I need to find the blind preacher he said and everybody knows where I live and so this guy jumps in the car and as we're going down you know he hits his the cab driver hits his wiper so many times flashes his lights so many times and so Chris rings over and says why are you doing that he said so we don't catch a grenade We finally get to Brother Babisha's house and he had been in the hospital because what had happened is every day this blind preacher would go to the old city of Jerusalem and he would stand on the steps and he would preach Jesus. And one day some Arab boys didn't like what they were hearing, Muslim boys, and they grabbed him and they threw him down the steps and he had hurt his leg so the Jewish police came and arrested them all and they were beating the boys and they told Brother Babisha say the word they'll never bother you again they won't be able to and he says no I forgive them I forgive them because Jesus forgave me the the Israeli police thought he was nuts but the young boys who were being beaten, they come and they fell at his feet, and they were kissing his feet literally, saying, "Thank you, thank you. Thank you." And he says, "Now every day, when I go to the city to preach, he said, "These young boys meet me, and they stand on either side of me while I preach, and they are my bodyguards." He was hurt he was blind but I walked out of that room feeling like I was walking 10 feet taller because he had a hope I had not experienced in my life he had an outlook what are you saying pastor I'm saying every circumstance should have said defeat but his mind refused to believe the report of the enemy he refused to believe that it was defeat he refused to believe that there was no peace or hope for him so he looked up instead of looking down and so this morning as everybody in this room just for a moment bows their heads close their eyes I don't drag people to the altar I'm not going to point you out but I believe we have to be truthful and honest and open where we're at and if you're here this morning and you're struggling with some things that I've been talking about and you're saying, Pastor, I want to live that abundant life. I want to live above, uh, uh, above what the circumstances are telling me. I want to begin to look and think Jesus. I want to begin to look and, and, and have revival in my mind, in my thoughts. I want to believe there is better days ahead. I want to believe there is change possible in me. And if that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. Again, no, I'm not looking around. I'm not going to point you out. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down after you've raised it, but but thank you. And if you're ready for that, now here's the next step. If you're really ready for that, I want you to think about this Jesus who went all the way to Calvary for you. All you got to do is take a few steps for him. And if you're comfortable doing it, I want you to come and find a place to pray this morning. And if you say, I don't want to do it by myself, take somebody by the hand and let's come and let's find a place and let's pray for a few moments. And let's begin that journey amen let's begin that journey you say i don't see any hope i've got news for you there's hope all over this room today it's all in this room today and that hope is called jesus and all we got to do is call out him so if that's you i want to invite you to come come on there's some others oh you're making your way right now there's some others come on come on come on i promise you you're gonna begin a journey you won't regret it you won't regret it come on there's some others there's some others Amen. While these are praying, if you guys want to get ready, you can. Come on, there's some others. Let's find a place. Let's pray. Let's pray. If you're not comfortable coming forward, then let's just pray right where we're at. But let's pray. Let's pray. Let's believe God this morning. Let's believe God this morning. Come on. God's here. He's in this room. He's ready to move. He's ready to move. You say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's power. The enemy flees. He's afraid of it. He trembles. He's still scared of that name. Why? Because there's power in the name.
0: There's power. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the Ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.